Hello and welcome to Irish Football Fan TV. Delighted to be joined by Aston Villa and Republic of Ireland International, Connor Howran. Connor, firstly, thanks so much for joining us. Hiya, lads. How are you doing? You okay? Oh, good. Uh, obviously, you would have seen that we had uh, John Eager, Darren Randolph and a few of the other Irish lads on talking about their career. So we decided to get in contact with yourself. You've been gracious enough to give up your time. So no thanks for that. No problem. No problem. Pleasure. Um, so just to kind of get uh, get the ball rolling, I suppose, do you want to talk me through your, your earliest memories uh, from your childhood? Uh, what got you getting the boots on and getting out there? And yeah, your earliest memories in football, I suppose. Yeah, listen, um, when I was young, I was an absolute sports fanatic, still am obsessed with all sports. Um, you know, drove my, my dad crazy, wanting to get, a, 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 you know, wanted to be a part of any sport possible, whether it be soccer, uh, you know, hurling in football, rugby, whatever it may be. Um, you know, taking time after school to go to every training session possible um, and just love to love to love sports. Still do now watch anything possible that I, that I can. And um, yeah, just it wasn't just soccer in general. It was any sport really just to, uh, like I said, to get me out there, get me playing. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. So what, what um, from a football point of view, what was it that kind of led you towards football? Uh, did you have a, a specific player that you looked up to or a specific moment? Um, it was it was more of a case of I, I probably fell, fell in love with, with soccer, you know, through my local town, a lot of my close friends were playing soccer, so obviously they dragged me to kind of training sessions or games. Um, you know, early memories of you know when Robbie Keane scored that goal in two thousand and two, kind of drove me on to, uh, you know, achieve hopefully similar things like himself. You know, Roy being from Cork, you know, playing for one of the biggest football clubs in the world, uh, Dennis Irwin as well. Um, you know, you don't get too many people um, from your hometown, home city, playing for. Like I said, one of the biggest football clubs in the world. So looking up to them type of lads as well um, was amazing growing up. Yeah, and obviously, you know, those those two that you mentioned would probably go in or would be hard not to get into an all-time eleven as well. So they were obviously two great people to look up to. And um, from your your first club, then who was that you you grew up playing for with your first club? Yeah, so I grew up playing for Bandon in my local town. Um, until I was probably about twelve or thirteen. Um, I'm Bandon where I live is is West Cork, so it's it's out in the country really. So it's just a local uh, soccer team um, in my local town. And then um, as I got to about twelve, thirteen, I moved. I'm about twenty minutes from the city centre. Um, probably because I was really focused and concentrating on that, the soccer route by then, and wanted to get a little bit more. Um, what people watching, let's say, um, you know, trying to play for the the young Cork City team, maybe back where I was playing in Bandon, you don't get as much kind of people watching, and people don't take maybe a, as much interest. Moved in the Douglas Hall City League then, um, and then probably that got me to um the Kennedy Cup team, um, and 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 so on and so forth from there. Well, I've seen a, a story on, on, online about, uh, it might have been one of your managers or something, bringing, um, I think it was a director or something, to one of your games where you hadn't played well in the first half and went out in the second half and scored five goals. What was that? Yeah. Uh, no, I remember a, a story like that happening way back. I'm not sure if I scored five goals in the second half. He might have kind of added a little bit of spice to that himself. But, um, yeah, no, listen, I remember um, I, in my home club, 
when um, Tony O'Leary, he's called, he, he kind of brought the, the chairman of the club down to see me play when I was young. Um, and in the first half, I wasn't the best. And um, the guy was writing me off saying, I, I don't know why you keep telling me to come down and see this guy. He's absolutely rubbish. Um, to see that guy up there watching, he, he said, you're useless. And second half, I went out and scored a few goals. Like I said, I'm not sure if it was as many as five, but that uh, I do remember that story happening, yeah. Yeah, that was a cool story. I thought I I got a good laugh reading that. Just it it yeah. it, it kind of taught me of typical you because obviously yeah. as we'll go through your career, that was kind of a, a lot of people um saying this and that about you, and you always came back. Well, from what I've I've read and kind of studied from yourself, it's kind of been that way with yourself your whole way up. Um, now you spoke about the the Kennedy Cup, kind of the things spiral from there. Yeah, I've always quite enjoyed criticism strangely enough um it's always drove me on it's always kind of fueled my fire up i'm being honest with you no listen i'm not looking for everyone to criticize criticize me because i think if i got too much of it then uh, i wouldn't like it but no little, little snippets here and there it's all um, i wouldn't shrink um from any criticism um i love proving people wrong and it's just kind of one of them things that when people may say that i'm not good enough or not good enough for a certain level or you know, had a poor game or whatever it may be. I'm not sure, but it always seems to work in my favour because I'm always determined to prove that person wrong. Yeah, well, that that's a great attitude to have, I think. Anyway, but um, so when you're when you're, I suppose, when did you start getting noticed? And when was it around that time? What age were you? It was probably the Kennedy Cup, if I um, time where a lot of scouts came to games. Um. It was the first kind of place where I probably first showcased myself, as you would say, um, and people started to take a little bit of notice after that tournament. I think it's under 13, is it? Would that be right? Kennedy Cup? I'm not um, sure. I'd... Yeah, it's, I think it's a 13, something like that. Um, and from then, really, I had scouts ringing me, looking for trials, etc. And kind of then through my teenage years, 13, 14, 15, uh, was just constant trials and back and forth to England, really, and um, it it all kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, well, did you have any kind of when you went over to trials? Did you have any setbacks or anything like that, or was it? I wouldn't say plain sailing, but did you get on well? Um, well, no, there was one setback that kind of rings in my memory. It was meant to sound uh, sign for Southampton. Um, really, really enjoyed going over and back to there. Um, found that club kind of the right fit for myself at the time and um, they actually went to administration and went into kind of tough times um, so they actually pulled the contract um, so at the time that was really really disappointing for, for myself because um, I was all kind of set kind of had the you know focus and mentality right I'm going to Southampton and pick my club and at such a young age it was it was I was really really disappointed with um with them obviously listen it was out of my hands they went to money problems the club went into money problems and that move never happened so it kind of it kind of stepped me back a couple of times set me back a couple of times sorry and um kind of had to reevaluate and go on other trials and um it took me a bit, little bit of time to get going again john even kind of spoke about that too like early setbacks and stuff like that um yeah your mindset like we are family very good for, for, for that and you know kind of helped you then eventually get the move over yeah, they were they were fantastic. Mom and dad, um, to this day, you know, number one fans being terrific with me. You know, dad and mom, like it's like I go back to sports, mad dropping me to every training wherever that may be. 
um, you know, taking me to Dublin for underage Ireland kind of training sessions and games, um, which wouldn't be a short journey from Cork, obviously. Um, you know, so she was, um, you know, for her to kind of, kind of, you know, give me the kind of free to say when she kind of, you know, book related probably wasn't easy for her at the time but you know she gave me her my she gave me um her full support and like you said they've been absolutely terrific with me well that that obviously that goes into the sacrifice do you know what i mean um long term they might not have known of, of kind of where you got to so that was that's class that they put so much time and effort into helping you achieve your dreams as well yeah without a doubt and listen i'll never be able to thank him enough um you know there's always that risk there of you know, not making it. So many lads don't. Um, but uh, you go back to that kind of, like we've touched on determination and 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 kind of mentality, uh, making sure I just made made sure did everything possible to make sure it worked, and and lucky enough it did. Does that mentality come from your parents, or did you just adopt that mentality? Oh, I, do you know what? I think it's um a case of um probably having that fear of failure. Um, probably still have it now, even though. You know, some people would say I'm established in the game and, and, and playing at a half decent level. You know, I hate kind of that fear of failing and being that guy that kind of went back home to Ireland and, and back to Cork and never made it. So, you know, when I made that, that that kind of decision to move to England, I did everything in my power to make it work. Listen, there was um, bumps on the roads, ups and downs, setbacks, no doubt about that. But whatever came in my, in my way, I always had that maybe ability to, um, keep my head down, struggle to one side, and keep moving forward, which is which is a good trait to have. Yeah, that it really is. I don't think I think a lot more people could probably use with with adopting it themselves. But uh, onto your, um, I suppose you you, you went to Sunderland uh, to start yeah. off your career in England. So how did that move come about? And then we'll go we'll go through your your I suppose your career in England. Then from there. Yeah, no, it was just a case of, like I said, Southampton didn't work and, um, you know, went on trials. It, it probably narrowed it down to Celtic and Sunderland at the time. Um, it was probably going to be between one of them two clubs. Um, and obviously, listen, like I said, at the time, um, Roy was, was the manager at Sunderland. Roy, um, Noel Quinn, sorry, was, was on the board upstairs as well. And with that Irish connection and Roy being my local hero and my hero growing up from Cork, um, it was hard for me not to say yes to Sunderland. So, um, and listen, at the time as well, um, there was a lot of Irish people in the club, you know, in the first team, um, and I, I really felt settled and comfortable there. So, yeah, I, I kind of went the Sunderland route and, and um, absolutely loved it. And yeah, you know, John Egan said uh, a similar type of thing the other day, uh, and he was really grateful for the opportunity. I suppose Sunderland gave me. He said that Sunderland um, giving him that chance kind of made him the player he is today it didn't really work out for him there either I mean yeah they had they had their problems and and, and they still do but talk to me kind of about your time at Sunderland uh then to Ipswich kind of yeah no listen absolutely loved my time at Sunderland was there for three years um you know we had a really really good youth team at the time I was was in my youth team uh Martin Waghorn who's at Derby um you know people underneath me like John was there Jordan Pickford so we had, we had really good talent there at the time. Um, loved my time there, like I said. Um, then Roy got sacked, Steve Bruce came in. Um, and uh, listen, I, I, listen I'm being brutally honest, I was never going to break into the first team at the time there. So um, Roy moved to Ipswich, kind of got in contact and said, listen, you have a year left at Sunderland. Would you like to kind of move down here for the year and 
and see how you go. And um, it was a tough decision because, listen, I was very comfortable and happy at Sunderland, but deep down, I probably knew I had to make a move. There was a couple of loan chances for me to get out and loan to get first team football, and I was searching for that, and it never kind of came through. Um, so I took the kind of the jump to Ipswich to see if that would to work out. And listen, we're probably touching it. It didn't, but it was just another kind of uh, step in the ladder, really, along my journey. Yeah, well, what was it like? I know, look, it didn't work out at Ipswich, but what was it like having Roy out? He had you at Sunderland, so he, probably, I'm sure he was aware of you. You were from Cork yeah. as well, which probably yeah. made, made him even more aware. But uh, then you moved yeah, to Ipswich, yeah. where he was. Um, what what was it like? Because I imagine that was a nice feeling that someone that you admired that much wanted you there. Yeah, that was another nice one again. Like I said, going back to when I signed at Sunderland, Roy would have been a big influence on that. And listen, it, it was probably similar at Ipswich. You know, you listen, I thought that move would probably bring first-team football into my career, what I always wanted. But me being quite naive at the time, only being 19, I didn't realise how good and tough the championship was. Now, being a kind of 29-year-old, 10 years later, looking back at a, a Conor Horan who was 19, I was never, never ready, ever ready for the first team at Ipswich at the time. So, listen, there was, there was, it was no fault to anyone's, only my own, really, because, listen, ultimately, I wasn't ready. Roy probably saw that in me, that I wasn't ready. Um, and it just didn't work out for me. But, um, you move on and you and you do that really yeah well you know the way you, you know you left Ipswich um, I read a few things online saying you were kind of just uh, you didn't know really what was going to happen um, so what was that yeah. kind of period of, of uncertainty like and the fact that uh, Peter Reid obviously a fantastic uh, midfielder in his day I'm a big Everton fan so I'm really yeah, aware of right. what he was like um, yeah, but what was what was it like having someone like him again? I go back to you know Roy Keane, one of the best midfielders uh, Premier League's ever seen. Mm. Uh, Peter Reid, one of the best midfielders uh, up there as well. Um, so these yeah. really good players who play in your position wanted you. So anyway, the yeah. period of uncertainty. What was that like? And then you could I suppose touch on Peter Peter Reid. Sorry. Yeah, it it was like I said. It was, like you said, there was a bit of uncertainty. Um, Roy um, lost a job at Ipswich. Um, I hadn't made a first team appearance at the time, so there was that uncertainty that those um, and gave me a six months contract um, to kind of showcase myself really into the next season because my contract was coming to the end in the summer. Um, and I thought six months, that's not a long time, you know, to, to showcase yourself. Yes, it's time and an opportunity, of course, but you would like a little bit more stability than that. Um, and luckily enough for me, Peter Reid came calling um, through the Sunderland connection. I think... You know, he rang up the academy manager and the U team manager at, at Sunderland. Luckily enough for me, they gave me a good reference. Um, and I went down to Plymouth, kind of went training there for a week to see if I would enjoy it. And it would be a case of signing for Plymouth or or, uh, or Ipswich for that six months. And um, I must have impressed them because he gave me a two-year deal there, a chance of first-team football. And um, I snapped his hands off, really, and said, yeah, that this is for me. Well, I read that he after one training session, he, he said, get that man in my office. I, I, I don't know if that's correct. You can tell me if that is right. or not. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I think I wasn't, I'm not sure if he, he exactly said that. But um, yeah, I felt like I did well. We did. We played a game, um, a, a trial game down there, as, as you would say. Um, I did pretty well in that and scored, actually. And um, it was just one of them kind of times where this is an opportunity for me to showcase myself and hopefully get signed. And um yeah, it, it kind of worked out for me and, and, and playing me moving forward. So, what league were Plymouth in at the time? 
So they were in League Two at the time. Um, they had just been relegated from League One, but um, they were in real, real big money problems. So it was probably a right time, right place scenario for myself. They were in administration, came back for pre-season when I was there for that week training. I think about only eight or nine players they had signed. Um, so it, the numbers were really, really small. So it was a huge opportunity for myself to kind of showcase myself, get signed and get playing some football, first team football that I'd never experienced. So um, it was a great fit for myself at the time. You know, I think by the time the first game of the season came around, there was only about 16, 17 players. So there was definitely going to be opportunities for me there to play. Um, and Peter Reid kind of sat me down, you know, signed me and, and told me what he wanted from me moving forward. And um, I was delighted to be able to get that chance of first team football. Brilliant. Do you, do you do you look at that kind of you know going to Plymouth and you're thinking to yourself, will I ever will I ever get there? Was that ever um, a thing? Because I said it to John the other day, John Egan, yeah. and he was just saying, well, it's it's they're the goals that you set yourself. They're the one, they're the things you want to achieve. But um, was that something you were thinking? Oh no, my my chance might have been gone to play at the top, or did you see this as a as a pathway to get yourself to the top? Probably, probably a pathway, like you said. Listen, at the time I was just uh, relatively young. Um, at the time, I really had to kind of hit the ground running. Though I didn't really have too much time to waste if I really wanted to get to the, to you know, the Premier League and 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 my goals and uh, you know things that I wanted to achieve. Yes, I could have kind of maybe stayed in League Two and League One or whatever. But me being mean, that that was never kind of what I wanted to do. I always wanted to get to the to the top league. Um. Uh, going to Plymouth was my probably last chance saloon. I don't think anyone else would have taken me after Plymouth if it didn't work. It was probably back to the League of Ireland and maybe do a, a Richie Powell or, or something like that or, a, you know, other lads who have come through a Shane Long and, and kind of got over to England from that way. Um, Kevin Long from Cork City, David Myler, them kind of people. Um, but it, So it was a case of sink, sink or swim for myself probably at Plymouth. Um, and like I touched on before, I didn't want to be that guy that kind of went back to Cork and, and never made it and never made a career for myself because that was the mentality I always wanted to, that kind of drove me on every day. So um, I really not sacrificed so much, Was going probably didn't have a day off for probably three, four years um, and did everything possible to make a career for myself. And um, it was something that I was just determined and focused and mentally driven to do. Well, I think that comes down to hard work uh, pays off and, and that's been justified by what you're telling me. Um, talk to me about the time at, at Plymouth and then kind of leading on to Barnsley, if you don't mind. Yeah, so um, early on at Plymouth, I think Peter Reid left after 10 games. Um, we didn't get off to the best of starts and, and um, I think then Carl Fletcher, I'm not sure if you know him, became manager. Um, he was actually a player at the time, but was doing his coaching badges and because the club were in such poor state, they actually gave him the job. Um, then Carl Fletcher um, gave me the captain's arm. Dream team. Tw- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone says that. Um, he gave me the captain's arm man at 21, 22, which was a great honour. At so young, he probably saw you know leadership qualities in myself. Um, then he uh, he was in the job for maybe a year or so. Can't think of the exact amount of time. Then John Sheridan came in. Um, you know, another top class midfielder. I've been very, very lucky actually with playing with so many kind of managers who are who are midfielders along the way, as you touched on before. Because um, you know, to learn you know different kind of um, tricks and skills and individual advice from all them was fantastic. Um, and then it became a case of 
Barnsley coming in for me um, after three years at Plymouth. Loved my time at Plymouth. Um, we had just finished it, finished outside the playoffs that season, that summer. So I was kind of, you know, eager to maybe move on um, if I could. And Barnsley came in for me in League One and me being ambitious, jumped at the chance to kind of move on to Barnsley and move into the next league. Yeah, well, and that went well for you because you, you became captain at Barnsley, didn't you? Yeah, came uh, started off kind of just... You know, in League One, Danny Wilson was the manager. He signed me, um, and then um, Lee Johnson came in and 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 made me captain when he took over as manager. I was delighted again in League One to be captain of another football club. Was was you know was was more than more than happy, of course. And things went from strength to strength. Then really, kind of Barnsley really kind of drove me forward and put me on the map. Um, with how my time went there, really. Yeah, because you got um, you you were promoted there, weren't you? I I seen the. Pictures of you celebrating with cups and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually, we were in trophies now called the Checker Trade Trophy um, at Barnsley, and we obviously won the the League One playoff final, and we we won them both in the same season. So it's a quite uh, memorable season, one that I look back on with great fondness. Um, you know that, and that was another kind of bit of luck I needed to get promoted to get to the championship. So. Um, that season, fifteen, sixteen season was um was a special one for me. Quality, quality. Um, and then you, so talk to me then from kind of the Barnsley move to Villa, how that um kind of came about, and then we'll we'll, we'll get into I suppose a little bit about your Ireland career as well. Yeah, so um the 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 Barnsley to Villa one was like I said was hugely fortunate to to get it to from League One to the Championship through promotion. Um. Then I had a year contract left um, at Barnsley, going into the championship, going into the unknown again. Had never played at the championship, had experience watching a little bit of championship football during my time at Ipswich because Ipswich were in the championship when I was there. Um, and uh, it, it was another chance for me to hit the ground running, really. Barnsley kind of came to me with a, a couple of contract offers, but with a year left, if I knew kind of in my heart if I hit the ground running here in half good, you know, so... Um, I went into the season probably with a little bit of, um, you know, if if it didn't work out for me, you know, in the championship, um, and only with kind of a year rolling my 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 contract down, um, I, I don't think maybe I would have been in in trouble, but you know I wouldn't have gone on. To what I hit the ground running, had a really good six months at at, Barn, at Barnsley in the championship, and. Um, yeah, then kind of other championship teams came calling, but only six months left of my contract, so it was kind of a good time for me, really. Yeah, well, the, obviously Villa have like a huge Irish connection. You think, uh, you know, Paul McGrath, Steve Staunton, uh, Andy yeah. Townsend. I could, I could go on. Um, so th- was that something that you were thinking of? You know, the fact that uh, Villa have always had a kind of strong Irish connection. Was that something that maybe drove you to them as well as them obviously being a, a massive club? Yeah, there was there was definitely a factor of that, without a doubt. Um, at the time, Sheffield Wednesday were probably in, were another team that were interested, but um, you know, Barnsley being in Yorkshire and kind of local kind of would have harmed my kind of relationship I had with the Barnsley fans. Um, Villa came along, such a big football club at the time. I knew it was a big football club, and they had, you know huge history by winning trophies and winning the Champions League. Um, back along, but it probably re- it took me to realise how big the club was really until I signed and started playing for them. Huge football club, and you know couldn't turn them down really. Um, it's it's such a great football club to be playing for. 
Yeah, well, you seem to, you know, I, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you seem to be a fan's favourite there. They really seem to like you. Um, yeah, listen, I'm not so sure. I don't know. I don't try not to pay too much attention to that. I Listen, um, when I moved there, I, I was desperate to make the move work. Um, it was probably my ticket, um, like I touched on before, to get to the next league, into the Premier League. Me being probably who I am and being realistic and brutally honest, I'm not sure a Premier League club would have come and bought at the time um, but I knew with the ambition of the club they were desperate to get back to the Premier League so that was another factor of me um, wanting to sign there um, yeah I just love playing for the club um, Had I'm, I'm here just over three years now have huge fond memories of you know my time here losing a playoff final winning a playoff final so it's um, it's been amazing really well talk me through uh, the, the promotion uh, with Villa. Yeah, yeah, we were just off the back of that day because um, I'd worked so hard to try and get to the Premier League and it was a big kind of step back in disappointment. The club was um, not financially stable either um, and luckily enough for us, new owners came in in the summer and, and, and took us over and we've gone on from strength to strength really. You know, Dean Smith has come in and since Dean's come in really, um, the, the club gone from we were kind of in our own mid table till about October November time. Dean Smith came in and we went on a fantastic run. Got Jack came back from injury and um, I think we won 10, 11 games in a row, something like that. Um, and we shot up the table and, and, and comfortably finished in the playoffs at the time. Um, and we had a, a great second after the season. Um, went into the playoffs with with a lot of confidence because, like I said, the second half of the season went so well. And um, going into the playoff final against Derby, really fancied our chances. And to kind of flip flip it on, it on its head 12 months later and get promoted from a loss to from a, a playoff loss to a playoff win was made it extra special, really. Yeah, and you were obviously having a, a fantastic se- season at that point um, uh, yourself, personally, because you do have seem to have a bit of magic in that left foot of yours. Listen, yeah, I've managed to score a couple of goals with, with the left foot over the years, which is great. Um, you know, Dean came in um, and at the time, uh, Jack Grealish and, and John McGinn were both playing in midfield and Dean changed it to a, a three-man midfield. Um, me being more attack-minded, he asked me to play the more uh, deeper one behind Jack and John and I thought, yeah, listen, no problem. I'll try and adapt my game and, and change my game a little bit to make it work because Jack and John being two very, very good players, it was always going to be tough for me to maybe get in a more advanced role. So I changed my game to become a defensive midfielder and um, the three of us kind of made a, a decent centre midfield um, trio uh, with Glenn as well, coming in and out of the team. And um, it was brilliant. And we went from strength to strength, yeah. Yeah, you t- you touched on, on Glenn Whelan there. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, how good is Glenn Whelan? Because I don't think he really gets a lot of credit. No, he, he definitely, definitely doesn't. Um, until you play with Glenn, you don't realise how good he is. He's um, someone that you want in the trenches with you. Um, probably underestimated for his passing ability he's, he's technically very very good um, great lad as well on and off the field um, and had such a brilliant career I think um, he, he went into the 90 caps and uh, 90 bracket caps not so long ago played to 10 years and listen if, if if you get 90 odd caps for your country and play in the Premier League for 8 to 10 years um, you're not going to be a poor player that's for sure yeah, well, I think it showed with Stoke. I mean, they, they got relegated, didn't they, when he left? But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was dope. 
I think I think as I said, I think in, in my own opinion, um, I think he's very very underrated on an international level as well. Um, but I suppose from from around a year ago, wasn't it? Um, we we had the campaign under Mick. Uh, yeah. With the start of the campaign, and Mick was obviously a big uh, part of your establishment in the in the Irish team. Now, talk to me just before about the campaign under Mick. Just about maybe your first cap. Martin O'Neill probably would have given you your first cap, wouldn't he? Yeah, so, yeah, Martin gave me my first cap, probably my first seven caps, eight caps, something like that. Um, was always kind of in and out. Know, got a couple of starts in um, against Iceland at home in the Viva. Um, didn't really go to plan Iceland at the time. We're, we're decent side, to be fair, because they, they, they kind of went there through their, their strong patch um, and beat us 1-0. Got a couple of more starts in friendly games, came on in a couple of games, um, Denmark, uh, Serbia, um, but it was only for maybe five, ten minutes, so it was hard to establish myself. Um, and then Mick came in and things changed for myself. It was it was a fantastic kind of change at the time and uh, he, put, he put huge faith in me and um, uh, went from strength to strength from there. Yeah, everyone always goes on about the the, the Gibraltar game I'm not really going to go too much into it we got the result that we needed um, and before the campaign did you think that you were going to play such a I suppose pivotal role in the in the team or did Mick say anything to you before uh, the campaign no, began no not really if I'm being honest with you um, my only kind of thing going into the campaign was um, I knew Mick was a, a bit of a fan of mine just because he tried to actually sign me before um, at Ipswich when I was at Barnsley he was at Ipswich at the time I was at Barnsley so that kind of gave me a little bit of confidence that he kind of liked me and um, I might play a part in the camp. Another opportunity for myself to, you know, to stake a claim and stay in the team. And, um, you know, Mick put huge faith in me and I, I, I'd like to think I kind of repaid him with good performances. Um, and I, I absolutely loved uh, playing under Mick. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, well, talk to me about the... Because uh, obviously... Um, the Georgia game. You told me just before we began that it was uh, your daughter was born that week, which I didn't yeah. know. So that was a nice touch to get the goal for, for her. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Um, at the time I wasn't sure if I was going to actually make the game. I was I came into camp a few days late because, listen, um, my missus having a baby, you can you can never kind of force it out too quickly. It's all kind of. I wasn't really sure if I was going to make the game. Luckily enough for me, she had the baby about, like I said, four or five days before the game. Um, me being me, as soon as the baby came, I was off to, to get into camp to get ready for the Georgia game. Um, and it was just one of those games that um, it was it's memorable for myself for many reasons. Obviously, my daughter just being born, my first international goal, getting a win. Um, one of them games that I look back on for many years with great fondness. Yeah, well, talk to me about, I don't want to go too much into the, the politics of the tennis balls and all, but the fact that the tennis balls were being thrown on the pitch, what was yeah. uh, what was going through your mind at that point? Because obviously you were about to step up to take a, a very important free kick in a very, I suppose, decent area. If you're Conor Howerhin, it's a very decent area. If you're, if you're Paul Nealon, it's not. Yeah. But if it's Conor Howerhin, it's a decent area to be taking a free kick from. Yeah, no, listen, it was just one of them really, listen, it was a strange and bizarre situation. Um yeah, at the time I was kind of getting it ready and getting it set up and all of a sudden the kind of referee told me to stop and I wasn't sure what was going on really because it was kind of happening at the other end of the pitch. Um, yeah. And I had to look look back and all of a sudden there was loads of tennis balls on the pitch and um, 
yeah, it was a strange one. Obviously, I got told to 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 kind of don't take it and wait for all the tennis balls to be removed. Kind of you know, step back, stayed relaxed, and knew kind of knew it was an opportunity for myself to, you know, to maybe score or whatever. And um, yeah, probably um mentally was probably a key factor in that. Staying calm, staying relaxed, waiting kind of until the referee told me it was it was good to go. Um, doing my routine that I usually do, and um, yeah, luckily enough, it went in. Yeah, well, it was it was obviously a, a memorable moment and a huge win at the time because that meant meant we went top of the group at that point. Um, yeah. But yeah, obviously, obviously a fantastic memory. The whole build up of the week sounds like it, it will forever live in your memory, anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely, without a doubt, special moment, special week. Like I said, for many many reasons. Um, you know, I knew my partner and um and my daughter who was just being born were were watching the game. Um, it was it was amazing, really. You know, um. Like I said, and 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 the goal being the winner as well may, makes it a little bit extra special. Mom and dad were in the crowd, and uh, yeah, kind of a time that I'll um I'll look back on, and a game I'll look back on. Like I said, with great fondness. Yeah, well, I think that was something Mick brought back was that uh, with the fans, the connection in terms of the atmosphere hadn't been that good for a long, long time before that. Um, so that yeah. to get notes like that back, well, I, I I distinctly remember the Switzerland game, um, yeah, the amazing. Denmark game as well. Um, but yeah. I actually remember. Sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to touch the Dizzy's goal. Um, I thought you were going to maybe touch it or whatever with, uh, you know, being 1-0 down. Um, and you said about the atmosphere, the place was rocking after that goal. So, um, you know, Mick definitely got the fans going. Yeah, well, what I was going to just say about Mick was, uh, I, I feel free to talk about any of the games and kind of the yeah. insight behind them, if you like. Um, but I was just going to say about, you know, I remember being in the press conference talking to you and, and Mick knew that you weren't getting game time at Villa and he decided to play a left back. I think it was the Bulgaria yeah. game, the friendly. Yeah, it? yeah, um, yeah. But what was it like for to, to have him? Like, the fact that he's the Ireland, well, he was the Ireland manager uh, and he was putting that much faith into you that he was like willing to play you even out of position just to get you a couple of minutes. So hopefully you get the, you know, minutes at club level then as well. Yeah, no, Mick was absolutely terrific with me for that. Um, at the time, like you said, I wasn't really playing at Villa. I was kind of in and out of the team, and um, we had played a game prior to the Bulgaria game. I can't remember who it was. It was definitely a qualifier, I think. Um, and uh, was it Denmark away? It might have been. I'm not. I'm not quite sure now. We, we we had a qualifier, and then we went on to the to the friendly game. Can't I can't remember who it was. Um, and listen, I just went to Mick really and said, listen. I'd like more minutes if possible, you know, whether I didn't expect him to say a left back when he said, listen, what do you fancy left back to get minutes into your legs? And, I, and me being me, I would have played in goal for Ireland or, or for Mick at the time. No problem. Um, I said, yeah, of course, no problem. Um, thanks so much, basically, you know, to get to get me more minutes and played left back, I think maybe 60, 65 minutes, something like that. And um, like I said, was was so grateful for him to say that because not many many managers would say do you, do you want left back to to get some fitness fitness in. So little things like that went a long way long way with me um, and and Mick as well. It was brilliant. And what what would you kind of Mick as of uh, yesterday is no longer the yeah. manager, but what would what would your kind of relationship be with him? I imagine you're you're very thankful for for everything he's done for you. Yeah, well, yeah, without a doubt, you know Mick kind of put me on the map so to speak and gave me that real opportunity um you know in my Ireland career something that I've always wanted to do kind of get a run again for Ireland and 
Mick made Mick gave me that opportunity, and I'll be forever thankful for that. And uh, listen, he was brilliant with the lads. He was brilliant with the fans, like you said, brought the buzz back to the fans. The lads absolutely loved him. So I would just uh, always be thankful for that. Yeah, well, um, obviously we're going to have the, the playoff and we don't know when that's going to happen yet. So I, I, I'm not really going to go too much into detail. Obviously, hoping that this time, uh, or we're, we're looking forward to Euro 2021 in Dublin. Hopefully that we're, we are there. But um, on to uh, Villa. You're, uh, well, we don't know, well, we don't know what's going to happen with the Premier League yeah, now yeah. as well. Yeah, um, I know, I know. It's a strange time at the minute, yeah. But I wanted to kind of touch on, on that uh, tweet from a few yeah. years back and I yeah, yeah. I love that about you is that you're you it, it, it in my opinion and from getting to know you even more now it, yeah. it it perfectly describes you and someone who doubted you from getting to the bottom to getting to the Premier League and then you actually kept it yeah to, to use it as motive motivation sorry I love that I think that's a yeah. real just a real good message for for younger people to look at and go well, look if someone tells you you can't do something go and do it yeah do you know what at the time um, I actually didn't know who he, who he supported but he actually supports Aston Villa which is funny enough it's, uh, it's <laughs> quite ironic how, how it worked out um, yeah no listen I just remember at the time him, him kind of writing me off telling me that you know that's never ever going to happen um, like I touched on before criticism um, has always spurred me on to prove people wrong I've always taken criticism and kind of people writing me off in the wrong in, in the right way sorry um, and uh, over the years, I've always remembered that tweet, and always something that I've always wanted to do. Um, you know, the night before the first Premier League game uh, against Spurs, we were playing for Spurs' first game of the season. I knew I was playing because the manager had named the team at the time, and um, I actually went back to the tweet in my hotel room, um, and had the t- and so I had the tweet ready for the next day. Um, and I, ha- I I've been waiting that long to do it over the years. If we had got beat twenty nil, if we had got beat five nil, whatever the scoreline was going to be, I was always tweeting that uh, that tweet. Um, some people liked it, some people didn't like it, but um, it's something that's uh, satisfied me anyway over the years. Well, you know, there was people saying that you know, um, like holding on to that. That's not like something that people should do. But I, I, I disagree. I think that you know, if you're using that as motivation to get you where it is, then it. In my opinion, it's totally fine and, and totally justified. Yeah, no, listen, like I said, everyone's got different opinions about all sorts of things, football, life, whatever. Um, but it's just something that's that's helped me along the way, really. Like I said, criticism uh, I use as motivation. Um, I love pr- pr- proving people wrong. Um, you know, people who have written me off over the years or told me I'm not good enough for whatever level I've played at. Um, and I think it's a good trait to have, really, using it in the right way for myself. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I totally agree with you on that. Um, by the way, the connection's a lot better where you are now, so I can oh, hear right, you, no and everything's perfect. Good. Um, good. I was just going to touch on kind of uh, a little bit about the Premier League, um, how you found it, and stuff like that, and then I'll get into the last questions, and I'll uh, and I'll let yeah. you go then because you've you been on for nearly an hour. Um, so yeah, talk to me about the the Premier League. Obviously, after that tweet, you are in the Premier League now, and. Uh, how yeah. have you found it to jump up from, I suppose, the lower leagues to the Premier League? Because remember you said at Sunderland and Ipswich, you kind of weren't ready for first-team football, but now you're in the, yeah. the Premier League. Yeah, probably in every league I've played in, League 2, League 1 and, and Championship in the Premier League, every league kind of, you, you jump up into better quality, you jump it up into better players, better teams um, in every league. The Premier League especially so, you know, best players in the world, best best league in the world. 
Um, it's an amazing league to, to play. Um, absolutely love playing in it. Um, amazing league to be a part of. Um, probably a mixed bag for myself in terms of my season. Played well in some games, not so well in other games, and probably not played enough as well on, on top of that, you know. So, um, league table-wise, you know, it doesn't look great for us at the minute. We've been probably a little bit inconsistent um, in our performances. But, um, listen, if the season finishes out or whatever happens, um, playing-wise, hopefully, you know, that will be the case. Um, we'll play the last 10 games like, that we have left and hopefully stay up because that's the main goal, really. Yeah, well, there's one game I want to talk to you in particular about um, that would be good memories for yourself. The Norwich game. I think that's when you yeah. scored your first Premier League goal. And at that stage, you'd scored in every uh, league in England, am I right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it, that's a special goal for myself, I suppose. Um, first Premier League goal, it was it was a decent finish as well, which uh, which is nice. Uh, listen, I would have taken a tap-in or anything to, to get a Premier League goal, but um, to kind of have a, an outside-the-box finish was, was lovely. Um, it was a great game as well for us. We won 5-1, so it, it topped off the day nicely. Um, and like I said, another kind of goal of mine ticked off. Um, wanting to play in the Premier League and score in the Premier League and score in every league, it's it's been amazing. Well, you had it that day. You, you were on fire. Everything you touched turned to gold. Yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah. I think I won a penalty, set up a goal, and um, I, I really wanted to kind of. I felt like it, that was probably the day to get my first goal. You know, you don't really kind of win too many Premier League games five one. And at the time, I think it was maybe four or three nil, maybe. Can't really remember now. Um, so kind of, I had that confidence and kind of you know, confidence in the game, I suppose, because I was playing well to to have a goal from whatever opportunity I got. And um, lucky enough for me, it went in. Yeah, that's class. Um, just hearing it for, for, from your own point of view. But uh, just in regards, that's the Villa. I hope you, if the season does go on, I, I hope you yeah. stay up and I, and I wish you all the best Cheers. in the Premier League. I, I, I love Villa as a club and I, I always like to see them doing well, obviously, with that Irish connection. Cheers. We got three points off you as well, Everton. <laughs> yeah, I remember that well. I think he got the manager to sack at that time. Oh, was that? Is that? Did he get sacked after that? Did he? It wasn't. It wasn't directly after that, but there was a run right, of games. Pretty much. And Marcus right. ended up getting there. But um, right. I have a couple of questions here from a couple of fans. Um, yeah. Just to finish off, because you've been very gracious with your time, so thank you for that. No problem. Yeah. Um. So the first one. You that, Connor Mick McCarthy. Um. Obviously, I'm not the island manager anymore. Um, you've been an amazing player. You're a great player. Uh, I really like you. Great at free kicks as well. Uh, I have a question for you, and the question is, what has been the best moment of your career so far? Hi, Rory. Um, Connor here. Hope you're well. Um, good impression of Mick, by the way. Um, yeah, uh, favorite moment of my career would probably be listen. I'd probably say a couple really. Um, playing for Ireland, scoring for Ireland, um, huge honour. Uh, so much pride in, in achieving that, uh, and getting to the Premier League, playing in the Premier League, and scoring in the Premier League um, are probably my kind of moments that I look back on with great fondness um, over the years and, and in my career so far. Nice one there you are, Rory, or Mick, or whatever you want to be called for, for, for this bit. <laughs> um, so then we have young, young Tiernan. Hi, Connor. My name's Tiernan O'Kelly. I'm 14 years old, and I'm a big fan of you and the Republic of Ireland football team. I have two questions for you. Who was your role model football player uh, when you were growing up, and what football team did you support when you were growing up? 
Thanks, Connor. Hope to see you soon playing in Irish shirt. Yeah, um, you probably know the player already, Roy. Um, you know, being a Cork man and playing for, like I said earlier, one of the biggest football clubs in the world. Um, you know, was someone who I always looked up to. And on top of that, I was a United fan, um, a United fan. Um, still look out for their scores now. Not as a hardcore supporter as I was back in the day when I was young. Um, but still look out for their for their scores now. Um, and I, I found it amazing to, to play in Old Trafford this year. Um, I used to go over to um, Manchester from Cork to watch um, United when I was young. So um, it was amazing to kind of fulfil that dream as well, playing at Old Trafford. So to answer your question, Roy would have been the player I looked up to and um, I used to be a Man United fan. Well, Tiernan would be delighted with that because he's actually a Man United fan as well. Oh, brilliant. Good stuff. Um, well, John Egan actually said, said the same thing. He was a United fan, so I imagine there was a fair few of there. Just... Do you ever lose that? Um, you know, when you're growing up, like obviously you're, you're teasing yeah. me there about, about Everton losing to you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Do you ever lose that kind of. I know Carragher goes on about, you know, used to support uh, Everton, sports Liverpool now, but he still always holds that thing, looking out for their results. You never lose that, I don't think, do you? No, no, definitely not. No, listen, I always look for the United games um, after my own games. If they if I play on a Saturday and they play Super Sunday on a Sunday or whatever or a Monday night, I'll always watch it and want them to win um, quietly. Um, you know, but listen, when I played against them this year, I always wanted to get I, I wanted us to win. And luckily enough for us, we got a draw at Old Trafford with mum and dad were, came over to, to the game and they were in the stands watching, which was quite unique and amazing, really. But no, I think, um, like you said, you never really lose that. I don't anyway. Um, like I said, when I was younger, I was a bit more hardcore fan, but still to this day, I, I do look out for their scores and want them to do well. Yeah, well, it's obviously club first and then whoever you support second. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, last thing I just wanted to ask you um, was who was the toughest opponent you've came up against in the Premier League? If you can think of one, two or three is fine, but if you can think of one. Um, let me think, let me think. Um, Probably Manny. Um, he probably hurt us the most this year. We were winning against Liverpool one nil. Um, I don't know if you remember or not. It was actually a, it was actually a, just an ordinary three o'clock game. Surprisingly enough, I thought Villa Liverpool at at Villa Park would be like a, a, a Sunday game or whatever. But it was just an ordinary three o'clock game, and we were winning one nil all the way up to the 90th minute, I think. Um, and he scored in the 90th and the 93rd minute. Manny uh, killed us, um, and it would have been a great result because obviously Liverpool Liverpool were flying at the time. Um, we played Man City. Kevin De Bruyne was brilliant. Um, it's uh, that's actually funny because John Egan said Man or De Bruyne as well. Did he say the same? Did he? Yeah. Uh, you must um, have been watching that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, I'm trying to think now. Maybe just trying to think of someone that maybe people wouldn't. Say. We've played Wolves and Troyore was very good. Um, he said Jimenez. And Jimenez up front was was quite good. Um, and when we played um, Spurs, Son was really good, I felt. So they're the kind of people that jump out with me. Yeah, well, they're not surprising. You know, they, they're all quality players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Connor, that's, that's really it for me. I just wanted to say a huge thanks for coming on and giving up your time. I know... Um, you have your family duties and everything like that so really 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 appreciate your time thank you so much no problem Paul thanks for having me on and I'll speak to you soon Irish Football Fan TV is now available on all podcast platforms Spotify Apple Podcasts and every other place where you get 
your podcast. Check out the link in the description for more.